Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the Magical Mystery Tour called Life, Matthew DiBiaz. Tonight's guest is author and baseball historian Larry Lester. Larry lives in Kansas City and is president and CEO of Noir Tech Research Incorporated, an internet company which provides sports scholarship exhibits, workshops, and academic conferences to educational institutions, museums, corporations, libraries, and churches. He is also the editor of Black Ball, a Negro Leagues journal which is published twice a year, and the chairman of the Jerry Malloy Negro Leagues Conference. Since 2012, Larry has written three books on Negro League baseball, Rube Foster in his time in 2012, Black Baseball in New York City in 2017, and his most recent book, co-authored with Rain Stivers, came out last April titled The Negro Leagues Book, Volume 2, The Players from 1862 to 1960. Larry, who or what inspired you to become a historian of Negro League Baseball? Well, first and foremost, uh, it's a joy and privilege to be on your show. Thank you. Um, I grew up near the old ballpark in Kansas City, Missouri, home of the Kansas City Athletics, and I went to a lot of games. The uh, ballpark was within walking distance, so I fell in love with baseball, and uh Never intended to write a single book, but uh, baseball is addictive. <laughs> and uh, I used to keep score at the games and found a love for statistics and baseball. And that's how I came about becoming an author and a historian. Larry, did any of your relatives or ancestors play Negro League baseball? Uh, not at all. Uh, no. Uh, my father was a baseball fan. He always made sure I had tickets to the Yankee doubleheader every year <laughs> when, they, when they did play him. <laughs> but no, he did, he did not play. He had a few cousins who played semi-pro ball, but nothing, nobody in the Negro Leagues. Okay. How long did it take you and Mr. Stivers to uh, write uh, the Negro Leagues book, Volume 2? How long did it take you to research and write it? Oh, my goodness. I would say about 20 years. Uh, it was originally published, Negro Leagues book, with uh, my co-mentor, Dick Clark, out of Ypsilanti, Michigan. And it needed to be updated. Mm. But we had we had so much information, there's, there's no way we could put all the team information in there. So we agreed to do volume one, just the players. And, and maybe in a few years, we'd do volume three, Oh, with just the teams. There's, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, and the book is unique. Uh, it has information that's never been published published before. You know, I go all the way back to the 1850s uh, with black baseball. And here we have a register with about 58, 5,900 ballplayers wow. that list their years and teams that they played. And I have a special section on the women in baseball. Mm. And, I, and I list the five female owners of black baseball teams and all the uh, secretaries and VPs and treasurers and various teams. And the five, not three, the five players, female players on Negro League teams in the 50s. And the book... Uh, also list uh, debut dates of all 75 or 76 uh, major leaguers who 
at one time played in the Negro Leagues. Mm. I have a register of uh, the East-West All-Star Class that you can see who played. Uh, register of everybody who played in the World Series. I do International Hall of Fames. I do, do Hall of Famers by team and by city. So in your city, you can see who what Hall of Famers played in your city. I do a list of uh, players who played more than one sport. Uh, they may, may have played basketball in the winter, baseball in the summer. I list all the relatives that I could find, brothers, cousins, uncles. And I list uniform numbers. Mm. Uh, when, I was, when I was at the library in Cooperstown Hall of Fame, I asked the librarian, what is your most requested item? He said, uniform numbers. I said, what? Yeah, uniform numbers. And so I put that in there, plus the military service that I could find, any colleges that they went to, every tribute, every road, highway, statue, named after Negro Leaguers in this book. And finally, I list all the cemeteries that I could find. Wow. So it's an encyclopedia. Yeah. Morning book. <laughs> Beautiful though, and, and and must you know for you know for history to preserve it, it's an absolute must. Larry, very recently, Major League Baseball has decided to recognize Negro League stats as a part of official Major League Baseball stats. Did you or your organization play any role whatsoever in the lobbying effort to have Major League Baseball recognize Negro League stats as official stats? Uh, no, we did not play a direct role. Uh, in that initiative, <clears throat> uh, we have my team of state rights and Negro League aficionado have always advocated uh, equal billing for the Negro League. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did not have a seat at the table. Uh, but I, I will sit down and write a letter to every Major League team uh, requesting that they uh, recognize the Negro Leaguers. And I've done that for years, so mm. I think that's why my name was mentioned in the press release, but I was not a part of the, the team that made that decision. Okay. Now, sadly, uh, the Negro Leagues back then did not have an Elias Bureau to record stats, to officially record stats. When you were doing your statistical research, what sources were you consulting, and you and Mr. Stivers were consulting and using for your research for your book, sir? Well, I've been copying microfilm data for oh, since the early 70s Ooh. and yeah I've gone through every issue of the Kansas City Call, Pittsburgh Courier, Chicago Defender, Philadelphia Tribune, New York Amsterdam News, New York Age, just about every black newspaper in the country uh, make copies of all the box scores, the articles, uh, the editorials, and that's where we mine our data from. Mm. And in, in the early 90s, I designed a computer database to manually input all this data line by line, stat by stat. Wow. And so today I can actually print out more than 200 can reports, uh, just like uh, Major League Baseball Encyclopedia. So I've been doing this uh, undercover uh, in the twilight zone for, you know, the last three or four decades. Wow. Uh, it's what I enjoy doing. 
you know, I'm a computer nerd and, and a baseball aficionado. Is it? Do you think? Is there? You think it's possible that we might we, we might be able to achieve a complete statistical portrait of of Negro League players? Like you know, we have a complete portrait now of every major league player now, thanks to all the saber metrics. You think that's possible or no? Not possible. We'll never get the total picture of these great players. Um, I think it is possible. Ooh, okay. Yes. Uh... In the 20s, uh, as you know, that's the roaring 20s or the golden decade of sports. Yeah. The papers were very adamant about providing great detail. Mm. They provided a schedule at the beginning of the season, which I used to track the teams. Mm. And most of that information is available. Uh, I, when I was, when I was working on my 1924 Colored World Series book, I was able to find complete play-by-play of all 10 games in the newspaper. Wow. So the detail is there. I have the play-by-play for the 1926 uh, World Series no-hitter by Red Greer of the Baccarat Giants over the Chicago American Giants. I have the play-by-play of the first East-West All-Star game in 1933. All that information and the details or in the newspapers. Wow. So it, it just takes the time to mine it and process it and get it into a format where you can check the data. So Matthew, what I do after I get all the data in there, I run integrity checks. Mm. <clears throat> I want to make sure the total hits by the team equal the total hits given up by the pitchers. Mm. Same for the runs. I run probably six or seven uh, integrity checks to make sure m- my data is correct because everything is entered manually. I cannot scan a box score and, and enter it. Mm. And sometimes I'll put a home run in there, but I will forget to add an RBI mm. for a solo home run. Mm. And so I run a check for that, and every now and then one will pop up. You forgot to put an RBI for that fellow who hit that solo home run. So. The data is solid. Some years I can find 98, 99% of the games listed. Mm. Uh, in the 30s, it's a little bit difficult because of the Great Depression. Mm. Uh, teams started folded or the coverage was not as, not as good. But in the 40s, complete coverage again, just like it was in the 20s. Wow. Larry, who... Who, considering the enormous research you've done and the decades you've done it, do you have any favorite Negro League play, player or players of all time? I mean, who you just, they're your personal faves. They're like your idols in that sense. I mean, can you tell us? Well, yes. My favorite ball player of all time is Wilbur Bullet Rogan. Uh, played with the Monarchs, started in 1920, and his career lasted until about 1938. Mm. Uh, just love the guy. Never heard of him until I did the research on the Colored World Series. And in the process, I said, I need to learn about each of these ball players who participated in this 10 game, 10 game series so I can write a decent uh, recount of what happened. Mm-hmm. So I started <clears throat> my research 
at the beginning of the season for every ball player and made notes along the way. And in that way, through, through my journey, I'm like, who is this fellow by the name of Rogan? Mm. He is playing center field. Okay. Uh, he's getting two or three hits every game. And every fourth time, he's pitching. <laughs> any, any bad cleanup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but I had to stop and retract my steps take the pencil and paper out and start adding numbers up manually. <clears throat> and at the end of the year, this man is batting over 400 and he won 15 or 16 games. Wow. You know, and it's just, I'm like, this is might be the greatest ball player I've ever discovered. Wow. And, you know, and I'm, I had this bittersweet moment where I, you know, tears rolling down my eyes because I'm happy that I discovered him. Mm. But I'm also sad that why has America kept me from him? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like, wow. And so when the internet came along, my first email handle was bulletrogan at AOL.com. Wow. And whenever people would ask me about who is that, because that's not your name, I was like, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about the great Bullet <laughs> Rogan. <laughs> the dude was awesome. He, the first two or three seasons, he was never relieved. He would pitch complete games. Wow. And, and think about this. Yeah. He, he had more complete games than he had wins at the end of his career. Yep. That's the confidence the managers had in in him. And he's the only pitcher I've been able to find so far in any league that won more than 70% of his games. Wow. I'm talking to Satchel Page, Roger Clemens. Yeah. Uh, anybody. Yeah. Nobody's ever won 70% of their games except Bullet Rogan. Wow. Yep. Um, can, do you feel there in today's, today's America, is there's, a greater appreciation and understanding in American society for the legacy that the Negro Leagues gave to American sports culture or no, we still haven't really achieved that proper appreciation and, and understanding. What, what are your feelings on that issue? Well, I think Major League Baseball's uh, recognition of the Negro Leagues as an official entity will help move that needle forward. Mm. Uh, I think it will increase awareness about the greatness of these teams and their leagues and owners. And I'm hopeful that uh, people will would have an appetite to learn more mm. and learn more about ball players like Pete Hill, Oscar Charleston, Norman Turkey Stearns, and. Yeah. Rap Dixon and Cannonball Dick Redding. Uh, they already know the household names. Yeah. Uh, Gibson Page and Coop Papa Bell. Yeah. But there were so many other heroes and great stories in the Negro Leagues that I'm, oh, it, I can't wait to tell them. It's yeah. So many great stories like Bullet Rogan. Larry, please tell our listeners about Noir Tech and its mission. 
Well, basically, noir is French for black. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm from Benin and Togo, Africa, French-speaking uh, African countries. Mm -hmm. And so I combined the word noir with tech uh, because I'm an IT person or was a retired IT person. Mm -hmm. So I, com I combined my technical expertise with my research uh, expertise to form the company Noir Tech Research. Is Noir Tech based solely in Kansas City or do you have satellite offices nationwide, sir? It's based solely in Kansas City, but I contract uh, help out. Uh, many of the Sabre members are contributors. Uh, that's why sometimes I say we compile this, we do this. Uh, there are some cities I cannot get to. Okay. And so I'll reach out to a Sabre member in that city and they'd be more than glad to go to their library before the pandemic, of course, yep. and look for that one or two games that uh, is not in a major city. Because okay. as you know, sometimes the Negro League teams uh, played in a smaller town just to bring in more receipts uh, so it, it's, it's a team effort. Now, um, when you when I interview an author, I always love asking this question because it's always fascinating, the answer that they give. When you were growing up, who were your favorite authors that you loved to read when you were growing up? And of those favorite authors, did any in particular inspire you, give you the inspiration to become a writer in your own right or may have perhaps influenced your own personal writing style? Well, yes. Uh, David Lippman, he wrote that, I wouldn't call it a history on Satchel Page. <laughs> it was full of falsehoods and myths, and, mm. uh, but I en enjoyed the read. But the most inf influential author and book was written by Robert Peterson, Only the Ball is White. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went down that rabbit hole and I'm still there. Uh, I had always been interested in the Negro Leagues, but when his book came out, it validated what I had heard from the elders in the neighborhood about these great ball players. Mm. Because I actually lived in the neighborhood with many Negro Leaguers. And this book validated their stories. Yep. And I developed my own writing writing style. Uh, I love jazz music, and I wanted something more jazzy, more innovative. So I have a different way of phrasing what I say uh, with a little humor. Uh, sometimes it gets rejected, but I think I have to be true to myself. I have to remain authentic yep. with my mission. Mm -hmm. And so I, I own what I write. <laughs> yep. And, but uh, Robert Peterson was a big influence in my life. He, I just didn't think all this information existed. So it was just amazing what he wrote and all the players 
I'm sorry. All the neighbors, neighbors uh, would tell me that this is true. This happened. I was there. I'm like, really? <laughs> and they said, well, Connie Johnson lives right over here on 54th Street. <laughs> he used to play with the Chicago White Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. And, mm. and your teacher, Oral O'Neill, is Buck O'Neill's a wife, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so and then I go to I go to high school and I got three of Satchel Page's daughters in my class. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So this is cool stuff and I get out and go up north to play with a basketball team and meet his oldest son, Robert Page. I just talked to him yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, we play basketball on the same team. He's six foot eight, looks just like his dad, <laughs> tall and thin. And I'm just like, this is part of my DNA, Matthew. So yes, yes. Uh, this comes easy for me, natural for me, and I don't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I've been truly blessed. That's beautiful, Larry. Please tell our listeners where can readers find your books. Is it is it available in stores, or do you have to get it online? Where can they find your books? Uh, I recommend people to go to Amazon. Uh, that's the best way to get my books because postage is outrageous. <laughs> I hate to charge people postage. <laughs> and if they email me, I will send them a signed book plate if they want a signed copy. I mean, I keep a few I keep a few in the office, but uh really don't want to stand in that COVID line at the post office. Yeah, yeah, oh I know. And the way the mail is these days, man, it takes forever to get if we just get a package just across the street. <laughs> oh, True. Yeah. Very much true. Yeah. Larry, okay. We all know, we basically, true true baseball fans, we know about Josh Gibson. We know about Satchel Page, Oscar Charleston. In your opinion, based on your decades of research, who do you think was one of the most underrated Negro League players of all time, in your view? Oh, I would say Norman Turkey Stearns. Okay. What did he, who was he? What did he do? Uh, he was an outfielder for the Detroit Stars for most of his career. Okay. Uh, spent some time with the Chicago American Giants and the, and the Kansas City Monarchs, but basically an outfielder. Two of his daughters still live in Detroit. Okay. Uh, Turkey Stearns was unique. He was fast. And if anybody had an all-time Tiger outfield, it would be Ty Cobb. Al Kaline and Turkey Stearns. <laughs> and and Turkey Stearns, if you look at my East West book, the East West All Star Game book, you'll find him batting cleanup and leadoff in different games. <laughs> That's how talented he was. Wow. Jeez. Now the last two or three weeks all we heard about is Josh Gibson. Josh Gibson. But if you go to scene heads and that's where my data is going, so it can be on the internet and available. Yeah, you you'll see that Turkey Stearns is two home runs ahead of Josh Gibson for career home runs. Wow, wow! But nobody talks about that because they they've never pulled up the Turkey Stearns records. Wow! <laughs> I don't know how it's going to end up. We got you know another ten games to put in, uh, but. 
Josh Gibson may not be the career home run leader that everybody thinks that he is. Wow. Now, Turkey Sturz played a lot more games. He played longer. Uh, Josh Gibson missed two seasons in Mexico. So, uh, Turkey Sturz is not the home run hitter that Josh Gibson was. Mm. But he may be the all-time leader. Okay. Have you ever thought about doing a book project about the times Negro League players took on major league players, you know, in in a, in head-to-head matchups, or doing like statistical analysis of that when they actually went toe-to-toe with one another, you know, in competition? Has anyone ever done like a research on a book or research on that, or would you be tempted to try a project like that, you know, analyzing those games, you know, where the you know the, ma- the white major league stars took on the best of the Negro leagues, you know, and 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 you know, toe to toe competition. Have you try? Have you? And would you be thinking of trying that? Uh, that was just done a few months ago by Todd Peterson. Oh, okay. Uh, the book is called "The Negro Leagues Were Major Leagues," mm. and Todd is a local fella, and I have provided all of my box scores and data to him uh, of inter interracial play. Okay. Uh, games against the Bob Feller All-Stars and the Dizzy Dean All-Stars. And he's got them all listed in this book. And he found a lot more on his own. Uh, but Todd Peterson uh, did a great job. Uh, I think I contributed one chapter to the book. Okay. But uh, it's going to be one of the best books ever to validate uh Major League Baseball's decision to recognize the Negro Leagues. Larry, last question. What is your next book project, and when can we expect its release? (laughs) Well, I've got quite a few in the oven. Uh, I might do the Negro Leagues uh, book part three with the teams. Okay. And I'm also working on a book called Caged Champions. And that this is about uh, the first African American to break all the color barriers. Uh, first African American uh, in each sport. I think I got about twelve sports listed, and I'm gonna uh, show the impact that African Americans have made in golf and. NASCAR and football, basketball, baseball. Yeah. Uh, this is coming along. It's basically done. Uh, just needs to be edited. It may come out in March. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have you know, let me know, and I'd love to have you on my show again, okay? And we can talk about that, okay, Larry? Of course. Yeah. Well, Larry, I want to thank you so much for appearing on your show, and I wish I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Again, let me know when that book comes out. I'll put you on my show again. And Larry, please be safe. Please be safe. Okay. And uh, you too. You take care. Okay, and may God bless and keep you always. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Take care and good night. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good night. Bye bye. Bye bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show, where I will be interviewing author and historian Peter Cousins. Thank you and good night.